1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to Talking Devils podcast, brought to you by talkthedevils.co.uk your number one independent Manchester United podcast. This is our Aston Villa preview, and I'm joined, as always, every Friday evening by Mr. Phil Marsh and Lee Lawrence, former Manchester United players. We're a deep dive into all things Manchester United in terms of that's the this weekend. Obviously, deep dive into Ronaldo's interview and everything else um, in, in the news with regards to Manchester United. But first of all, lads, I haven't spoken to you in a week. Obviously, look, Phil, you're at, you're at the match um, this this past week. Um, how was the form? How are you keeping?
3: Yeah, all good. Thank you, mate. Um, obviously, evening to everyone who's watching tonight. Um, it was good to get back to Old Trafford, uh, watch a game. Obviously, a good win in the end. Obviously, it was in a very good performance overall. I think Aston Villa were probably the better team, but um, no, it was good. Good to be back, and yeah, everything's good uh, from my end, so no complaints.
2: Fantastic to hear, and it's always good to hear you're back in Old Trafford as well. There's no place, no place like home. So absolutely delighted to see that you're that you're back there um, on Monday night, and fingers crossed. I, I'm hoping to be in Madrid in a couple of weeks' time for the Champions League. So, nice. please God. 90%, 90%. But, um, Lee, how's the form? How are you keeping? Oh, good, mate. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Uh, busy week as usual with work. Uh, same old, same old with
4: United, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a bit. I'll try not to be so uh, so depressive, but it, it's hard with our form at the moment. So, uh, let's just see how this one goes. We'll try and uh,
2: we'll try not slit uh, our wrist after the end of it. I just lost you there for two seconds. I don't know if that was my internet or do i did, did you lose lead there? there Phil? No, I was all right. I'm mad. I think it's just my side. It must be my end. Um, I'm just going to come to a couple of comments here as well, guys. Um, I'm just going to come to Reese's comment here. Um, Reese says, Watching on TV, but got my phone for the live chat. Even lads, hope you are well. Um, hashtag up, up the Reds. Hashtag glory, glory, my United. Up the heavy metal, relentless gang, game pressing Reds. Absolutely. So, Reese, I'm loving your positivity here this Friday. I'm going to manifest. Um, your energy here today and also joined by Wayne as well on in the comments as well as Wayne says evening gents hope you're well so I suppose guys look it's um it's been a crazy week as Manchester United fans as, as as it always is in terms of reports in terms of performances and games in terms of rumors all this type of stuff it's kind of been ramping up in this kind of last seven days since we last spoke on on the podcast but Phil, obviously you were at um, Old Trafford um, this past Monday um, for the FA Cup fixture, obviously returning home for the first time in, in quite some time. Um, in terms of the game itself, in terms of the overall performance, being there in the stadium though, rather than watch it on the television, what do you take um, from Monday's game the FA Cup and obviously your first time seeing Manchester United play under Ralph
3: Ragnick? Um, I, I mean, it was a difficult game for us, I think, you know... Um... Again, it wasn't a, an ideal performance and it wasn't probably a, a complete performance that we're all looking for as United fans. I think there was little glimpses of play which, you know, was was quite good. Um, but again, it was few and far between. I think Aston Villa was, was far the better team on the night and um, they controlled, you know, a, a lot of the, um, the, the big moments in the game. I think it was obviously... Uh, know an early goal from McTominay, which was a fantastic ball from Fred. I was I was sat like directly behind that and it was an absolute peach of the cross. And um, that's exactly what you want as a as a centre forward or as a midfielder making runs into the box. You know, that kind of service is is exactly what you want to um you know be getting from your, your midfielders and your wide men. But um obviously after that I was expecting us to to sort of kick on and, and maybe you know take a little bit of confidence from that. But obviously, it didn't didn't really happen, and and obviously Villa came into the game a little bit more. I thought Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings were a handful all night. He looked, you know, a threat. Um, I thought Gwendere as well was linking up really well with them, and and you know some of the play that they, you know, was doing was was really good to watch, and and that's obviously what we want to be be doing, um as well. I just think that at the moment, you know, the the players look like they've obviously got a lot of um things on the mind the confidence isn't there i think you know we're still sort of trying to find our feet in regards to this new system and personnel so yeah it was a frustrating night overall the atmosphere was really good um stevie g took a hammer in which was which was <laughs> good to see um but yeah I, I think you know the performance wasn't great but obviously the result was was a, a great result because obviously we, we want to try and progress as far as we can in the FA Cup because for me I think that's realistically our best chance of, of winning a cup this year. Um so yeah, obviously lots still to work on and, and you know not very many positives to come out of the game apart from I mean we touched on it just before the, the podcast came live and, and we was on about Alanga's impact when he came on. I think you know he was probably you know the the, the biggest positive for me as a fan watching. When he came on he looked really lively. He won his headers. He was, you know, getting at defenders. He got a few, you know, balls in and, and was geeing the crowd up. And I think that's just what you want to see as a supporter, you know, somebody who's playing with confidence and expressing themselves and trying to, you know, get the crowd going and, you know, getting you on the edge of the, the seat. And I think he, he did that in the short spell he was on the game, in, on, in the pitch. So, yeah, fair play to him. And if, if I was Ralph, I mean, I would be, Certainly, looking at you know giving him an opportunity in the next weeks and and maybe you know giving Rashford a, a bit of a rest because I think he looks as though he's you know really shot of confidence and and sort of lacking that um, you know mentality and desire that you know you need to have as a Man United player. Whether there's something going on outside of football, you know nobody knows, um, but there's definitely something not right with him at this moment in time, and, and I'm hoping if he he does take a little break out and. He, he can come back, you know, refreshed and, and you know, with the sort of um, points of proof, which we, we know how good of a player is on each day. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, he can sort out whatever's going on and, and come back into the team, um you know, the old Marcus Rashford.
2: Yeah, I spoke to Marcus about this the other night on, on our Wednesday podcast. and they, it, Undoubtedly, Marcus Rashford has all the qualities to be a Manchester United player, a Manchester United attacker and, and has, you know... He's one of the most like influential players, probably in the last couple of seasons for Man United. Even times when he was struggling through injury, he was still scoring goals and getting assists. So, for me at the moment, it's kind of puzzling to see Marcus being this run of form because even when he had them injuries, he was so good. For me, I, I kind of feel sorry for him in a way because obviously, like because of what he does outside of football, you know, he gets berated a lot, and I think Marcus needs to kind of. It's it's almost like he needs to maybe reevaluate his game and maybe take some time out mentally because he's had so much on his plate in terms of on the pitch with injuries, so recovering from injury, and then also his stuff outside the pitch. You know, I think maybe maybe mentally a a few weeks out may actually do him the world of good to really recharge the batteries. Like you know, maybe watch a bit of footage of what you're doing wrong. Maybe talk to your senior. Well, I know we're going to touch in that minute in terms of lack of senior players we have in the squad, but. Maybe talk to a Cristiano. Could C- Cristiano, when he was at a young age, of my night at times, I Phil you'll notice. And being in an the dressing, being on training pitch, there was times when Cristiano had levels of inconsistency, and he had to iron out some parts of his game. And you know, the likes of Roy Keane and Paul Scholes, Giggsy, players like that, really, you know, helped him in that way. Maybe does he go to a Cristiano and say like, "Look, it, what do you think I should do? Like, is there something maybe in my in my training, maybe my diet? Is like it could be something si- simple like that that can maybe." help him shape his game. And like we, we said this at the start of the season, maybe he does need to confide in the player like that. Now, obviously, a professional footballer, both of you former professional footballers, like you will know maybe sometimes if you have that quality yourself, you'd probably want, like to do it yourself. But when you have a player like Ronaldo there, maybe it's worthwhile, maybe confiding in that player. Same way like Cristiano would have took advice off Roy Keane back in the day. So I think maybe, maybe Rashford maybe needs to do that. Maybe he needs to go... Have a chat with the manager, have a chat with Ralph, though, know, in terms of maybe Ralph can maybe try to influence his game as well. But I think I think maybe some time out the team could do him the world of good. And then he can come back and he can really challenge for his place again. Because when he came back in the first like week or two weeks and he was back, the Leicester game, um you know the Atlanta game as well, which I was at in the Champions League, he was bright, he was taking players on, he was he scored goals. And then after since Solskjaer has been sacked ultimately, since if you actually look at that timeline, Rashford's form has kind of dipped as well. Now I'm not saying I'm not putting two and two together and saying Ollie D even is the reason you know Rashford's out of form, but if you if you look at that time scale, that's when this form is dipped. So I think you have to look at Marcus and say like I think maybe some reevaluation, maybe some self conversations, but also maybe some open conversations he needs to have with with the coaching staff with the likes Ronaldo maybe likes a Bruno players like that who are who, also, who are also experienced that can can try guide him and like I know like he's not a young player like this, the way Mason is but he's still a young like a young young-ish player like 23-24 he's still not fully developed yet so I think Marcus may need some reevaluation in his game I'm just going to come to a couple of interesting comments now if I can scroll back up here um Reese says, Alanga was great. rational and worried. I don't know what can be done to help him. Um, I had another comment here. Scroll back up. I want to bring this to Lee in terms of the game. Um, Reese says here, the game for me in a nutshell highlighted the fact that the team's lack of work and hunger. Villa wanted it more, but United had that killer instinct. We need to be more direct and aggressive in games. And then he follows on to say that the more aggressive we are in transition when pressing teams will allow us to be more clinical and we will need to improve on and off the ball. Ralph can only do so much that the, um, Ralph can only do so much the players need to work. Lee, obviously, like look, Ralph's kind of time Man United has been, been very short, but like he's ha- hasn't been ideal with the likes of COVID and, and stuff like that. You know, Carrington being closed and we can talk about systems and we can talk about kind of the way the, the way we've been playing and the style of football that's been kind of been displayed kind of week in, week out. For you, when you look at sometimes the lack of aggression, the lack of press, the, the lack of, I suppose, what a Manchester United player is expected in terms of energy, pressing, and just trying your hardest for 90 minutes, what's missing at this moment in time? What like Is it a lack of personality that we have in the team? Um, first of all,
4: let's, let's start with a positive because, like I said, the last couple of weeks, yeah, more or less all, all through the podcast, we've been negative. So since Ross come in, a little start, I think we've conceded four goals in seven games, which isn't too bad. It looks like he's steadied the ship with, you know, conceding goals, but well, you know, quite a few of the times we've been very lucky with, again, hitting crossbars and defensive mid. Uh, sorry, defensive uh, mistakes, but he has looks like he's steadied the ship a little with conceding goals. Um, I was having a little think about this earlier on about what what is actually going wrong. You know, you, you watch the highlights back of, of the Villa game. And like you said, the this, this pressing game, it's just not happening whatsoever. And the conclusion I, I can only come up with myself is I know when I was playing, you used to like playing with a you know a consistent eleven. So if you was all playing together week in, week out, and the team formation was consistent, the guys. So I was a left back. So if I was playing with, say, Ben Collett on the left wing, um, you know. More more often than not, you you form a relationship. You know when to go, when to not, when to cover back round. At the moment in time, I feel like as as, as a football club, uh, especially the starting eleven, there's, there's no identity. I think uh, when we did the we did the podcast with Marcus, uh, which was a great listen. He had a you know I listened all the way through with that, and uh, I think he was right with what he was saying. At the moment, all tried to bring the identity back to Man United, but if we're not starting the same 11 and we're not starting the same formation week in, week out, there's no structure being put in place. The, you know, the the players are forming that relationship with the players next to them. Like Phil, I tell you, if, if you're playing a four four two and you've got a strike partner, Phil, you form a relationship and if, if that strike partner is being changed week in, week out, um, or the formation is being changed and you're up there on your own, the, the lads look confused, but I think this is part of the problem that we need to get the... I mean, Ralph's come in, and you know we're, we're supposed to play in this C system with with the Gagan press. It, it's not worked out. Well, it doesn't look like it's certainly going to work out for me. Um, but sooner rather than later, we're going to have to we're going to have to form them bonds and get an identity of what formation of the majority of the games we're going to we're going to play and get back to the Man United way before we start doing anything. You know, the, the, I watched the Villa game and. Going back on Marcus, he looked confused. He looked like he was overthinking um, how we should play instead of instead of just playing football. Football in itself is the most simple game in the world. We have played it from being kids. He's played it all his life. You playing with enjoyment in football and knowing what you're doing, it flows. It looked to me as though he was overthinking: should I go? Should I not go? Should I take this guy on? Should I come back? at the moment I just feel like the confidence in the team it's not there they don't look like they know what to do and when to do it for me that's going to change
2: sooner you know, rather than later Do you maybe think like with this confidence this confidence issue do you maybe think it's, it's, it's a case of look it's a downturn in results and maybe these players they don't feel as free as maybe they would have been let's say 18 months ago when we were all calling them the most likeable Manchester United team because of the confidence they play with and they were forward thinking mostly at times is the confidence issue is just like i said a mental thing where like marcus is confused in what he's doing because what marcus rashford really is as a left a left, left forward is he beat the first man you know he, he cut in that right foot and you get off an early shot or you put in an early ball we're not seeing that now so it is the case that it is a confidence team with marcus and maybe as you said it's kind of maybe more time to integrate and understand his role more or do you think maybe you know it's just like every young player do it's just a time where they go through that kind of period of inconsistency i i think, I think there's, there's there's many factors with 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 the whole the whole squad um, that being like say what you just mentioned
4: there being one of them um, and obviously having different managers come in with different philosophies and different way you know how they want you to play um i, I definitely don't think it helps with Marcus that he's got the, uh, I wouldn't say burden, but obviously off the field when you're just concentrating on being a footballer and that's your main focus on life is being a footballer. If you've had a bad game, you go and re-evaluate your game. And the most important part of that week is how, how can he improve? With all these extra, you know, extra stuff, what he's doing, helping the kids, which is, don't get me wrong, absolutely fantastic what he does, Um for the kids and, and feeding you know, feeding the kids what uh, privilege just you know to get a meal. I I, I, I totally admire him for doing it. But it's got to be a disadvantage where if the other guys who's playing out, playing ever so well, their main focus after training is, how can I do better next time? He's not getting that downtime really to focus on that. He's focusing more on, right, straight after training or straight after a match, I'm on the phone to here. I need to sort this out. I need to sort that out. So I can definitely see how it's it's becoming a, a bit of a burden on his football. I'm um, I'm I'm a big supporter of what he's doing. Like I say, I, I just hope he can he can get back to the the Marcus Fastwood. we know, who plays with a smile on his face and you know on his days an absolute world beater. He's carried us many a game over the last couple of seasons when we didn't have a striker. It was our best you know our, our best striker, our best player
2: for a number of years. Um, and I, like I just last didn't... year and Bruno linked up Lee like last year between himself and Bruno and two of them like rostered what 20 goals and 17 assists last year through injury like we even like we imagined after this surgery that he'd be even better this year but it seems like it must be mental fatigue physical fatigue as you said like there's, there's, there's so many things that are going wrong for him but we've seen the heights he can reach and it's like you know we've seen this happen to Eli Ali at Tottenham too you know, in terms of he was so good for England, so good for Spurs, and then he's had that bit of dip. I, I don't I think that Rashford's situation might be slightly different because Rashford's hit them numbers more consistently than what Deli has done. I mean but,
4: I mean I think I think your prime example is, is uh, Fernando Torres, isn't it, when he left Liverpool to go to Chelsea. Um, and that was the same. He was he was absolute a world beater at Liverpool and he just took a massive dip in form when he went to Chelsea. I think with Rashford, he's got he's got the two I mean what two centre-forwards at a club would you want like you touched on what you mentioned earlier to give you advice and to get you back on track then Edison Cavani and Cristiano Ronaldo you know he's it, it, going to probably have to lean on them a little now um, and take advantage of the you know their experience and their knowledge um, and if he does and you know he focuses a little bit more on his football I've got no doubt that he'll come back and be one of our main players and you know I'd be I'd be gutted if he went I'd be absolutely gutted because the potential he's got when he's on his days is, is fantastic. So going back to your original point of does he need to lean on you know the senior players in the squad 100%? I think every young player should do that but especially if you're low on confidence and low on form. Just look at Cavani's uh I think I've had a stat today something like is the second most hardworking center forward in the Premier League at, at 30 what is all 34 35 Three four, yeah. You know what I mean? That speaks volumes for me. It, it's it's sometimes it's what you do off the ball, not just on the ball too. And and, and sadly there's too many players for us at the moment doing jack all off the ball, which is for me's got massively gotta to change, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it does have to change. I think the work rate and desire most definitely has to change. And I I, I see a comment here that, that I want to come to. Wayne has a comment here. I want to bring this to Phil because you're at the game um on Monday and Wayne says here, interesting that Ralph Ragnick said that we need three midfielders to control games, Printy Damnan, even if we all agree that as he's tried to get by with two so far. Just going to bring that to you, Phil, because obviously, um, Ralph in the last 20 minutes of the game brought on Donny Van de Beek and changed to a diamond. Ultimately, he went to the two split forwards, obviously Bruno in the false kind of nine position, but he had Matt H., Fred, Van de Beek, Bruno, and then it was like he was, was a Cavani and then a or Rashford then at that point. Well, he changed to a diamond shape obviously if Ralph is saying we need three midfielders to control the game and maybe obviously McTominay being out now this week could Ralph maybe revert to this diamond to get per se more control and maybe like obviously if, when you have the two strikers up top could Ralph maybe look at that diamond formation as Ollie did last season as well, to maybe get more control of games against these teams where they're, they're high energy in midfield you know, such as Obviously, I know McDean is out tomorrow, but like we're playing against like the Douglas, Douglas, Louise, and Jacob Ramsey, who did have good spells in midfield. But when we changed that diamond, we seem to kind of do control a bit more. Do you maybe think that's something away at Villa Park tomorrow that we can utilize and maybe going forward as well when we lack possession of the ball in games?
3: I think, yeah, I think he'll have to. Obviously, if McTominay's out um, and and going off the game the other day when I was there, I think, you know, Aston Villa. You know, dominated the, the midfield battle for me. I think, you know, them players you've just mentioned were, were sort of um, on the front foot and, and sort of winning all the second balls and I just feel as though when we do play the 4-2-2-2, there's, the, gaps, the, the gaps are too big and there's too much space, especially if you're playing against good players. Obviously, you can get away with it some weeks uh, against some of the teams you'll play but, you know, when you're playing against a good team who's got, you know, quality midfielders in there who you, you can do everything in terms of you know win the ball back work and the and the good on the ball and they can play balls into the front men. I think obviously it's going to be difficult because the gaps and the spaces are too big and it and, and it's not, not a sort of uh, dig at Fred or McTominay or anyone who's in there. I just feel as though because there's so much space it's it's impossible really for a midfielder to cover all that ground. Um so yeah I think that could be something that you know we look at Potentially in the next couple of games, with obviously people missing, but not only that, I just feel as though I think it'd be our sort of in our own interest really to, to sort of give us a better chance of getting in the game and being able to have a bit more control in the middle of the park, um, which inevitably is, is where games are won and lost. I think you know, if you control in the midfield and you, you dominate in possession and you've got more of the ball and you're closer to people in terms of being able to you know close them down and stop them from playing forward, then. I think that's probably going to be the the best sort of tactics for us uh, moving forward, especially with, you know, the the games we've got coming up now, because we 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 need to obviously, um start picking up more points in the league. Otherwise, we're, we're going to be sort of too far away from you know the likes of all the other teams who are, who are challenging for the top four, and then obviously when the games start to come thick and fast, the, the the they're obviously a lot harder than the ones that we've had recently. We are gonna struggle because the, the better teams will, you know, no doubt pick us off and, and have more quality in the final third to to punish us where we've got lucky really in the last couple of games I've seen with a lot of chances. Obviously Villa the other day, two goals disallowed, uh, another couple of opportunities were, you know, a better ball into the box or, you know, a bit more quality on the finish and, and we would have been, you know, probably in trouble. So yeah. Interesting, but I feel as though that's probably the best way to go in the next couple of games and just see how it goes because, as I said, I think there's too much space uh, when when there's that 4-2-2 uh, formation.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably the best option now at the moment in terms of Ralph really wants to integrate getting control in the games, and especially if you look at the midfield options we have, like uh, with legs of Van Bruno Fernandes, obviously you have Fred McTominay there, you have Paul Pogba who was pending to come back as well, so I think... If you are to utilize it, it could go well. The only, I suppose, con to that formation is Sancho, your know, Greenwood players like that may find it hard to get to get their places in the team. But this is where I think we have a lot of quality in the squad. But the only thing I'd say is we have a lot—we have an imbalanced squad in terms of the options we have in certain positions. Like, there's we're still hemorrhaging a lot of players from other managerial setups. But I think. When you look at that, that's why we struggle to have a set system, a set style of play, set formation. Because every managerial like appointment post Ferguson, that manager hasn't really put a stamp on that for their own philosophy. They haven't had their own group of players. Now, Solskjaer this season more or less nearly had it. Like but you still have the one or two so players who are probably not good enough to be at the football club still there. But for large parts, like you know, we haven't have a set system for style of play close Sir Alex Ferguson. And we're hoping now, obviously, with Ralph here, that he has this particular philosophy that we can adapt it. But it's, it's hard because he had that situation with COVID where Carrington was closed for a few weeks. Not only that, now we are having games on quick turnarounds. Ralph was only having so much time to work on the, on the training ground. And obviously, some of these players then are out of injuries, COVID, stuff like that. It's not ideal. But I think Ralph needs to try find that balance and try to find it quickly because before we know it, we're going to be back in March, April again when we do have that same run of fixtures that we did have in October, November. And if we don't find a run of consistency, then we will be looking at a hard challenge to finish fourth. Even though top three was attainable by Christmas at Christmas time when Ralph was originally took over, it's a very you know, tough task to get that, you know. So I think when, when you look at it, I think it, it, he needs to find the right rhythm, the right formula, because he started that game off with a 4-2-3-1, which, which was a Solskjaer formation. He didn't play for a triple two. Then he went to a diamond. So like there's obviously, he's still trying to find the right formula. And I think it's a case of let's let's try a bit of everything, but then we we'll see what works. Like what, where do we have the best statistics? In terms of controlling the game over ninety minutes, because we haven't done that yet. I think under Ralph, the best thing we've done, obviously, as Lee quite rightly mentioned, is you know keeping as much clean sheets as possible and kind of putting the nip in the bud in terms of the goals we're conceding, which is great. But I think going forward, we still kind of we're still lacking that kind of creative edge. We're lacking sustaining attacks, winning the ball back quickly, which I think we we need to do that. So it's going to take some time, I think, for Ralph to get this done. But hopefully. It's gonna it's gonna happen quickly, and um, obviously we would talk about leaders and we're talking about unity in the squad. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo Lee um, had at an interview with Sky Sports this week. Obviously, in the build up to and um, the Villa game tomorrow night, um, at half past five, for a twenty one minute interview, and Ronaldo was talking about all different sorts of things in terms of Manchester United's ambitions this year. He he proceeded to say that Manchester United. This current Manchester United team should be should be you know, obviously aspiring to be at least the top three that we should be fighting for trophies. He said, it's "Unthinkable that we could be obviously fifth, six, seven, fighting for them places." And um, also proceeds to say that you know maybe the younger players in this generation, you know, don't take well the criticism as what well. he would have, you know, back in two thousand three, two thousand four, when he would have been surrounded with obviously with the likes of Giggs and Neville and and so on and Roy Keane. Where what did you make that interview? Because obviously there's a lot of fans have kind of been really happy that he's spoken up in terms about the mentality in the dressing room and kind of give us a bit of an insight as to how these players are dealing with criticism at the moment. And we talk about levels of commitment in the game. Ronaldo is probably the best example of that, how he how he built himself up from being a young, inconsistent, duo, you know, tricky winger to one of the best goal scorers of all time. If not the best goal scorer of all time. What 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 did you take from the insight we got from Cristiano in that interview this week? To be honest, I think it was fantastic. Um, I, th- I think it was def- definitely justified. The things
4: he said, is, uh what he did say in the interview is probably what every Man United fan up and down the country has been been wondering and been thinking for a long time. That the attitude within the changing room and within within the club itself isn't right, top to bottom. Uh, that that's the way it came across to me. And it, to me, it was just it was just just saying what we all thought was going on. You know. Um, I suppose this day and age it's it's not, not just football. I think it's just just young young kids in general. They don't it's been like a a shifting mentality with kids these days. They don't take well to criticism or they don't take well to someone trying to advise them or you know you look at Ronaldo and you know, if if it was me and I had my time again, and Cristiano Ronaldo was, you know, the main guy in that squad who'd done what he had done. And I was a young up and coming lad trying to make my way at Man United. I tried to be drinking in every bit of advice he could give me, and I'd be taking that advice and thinking it, it, it's off one of the world's, if not the world's best ever footballer. You cannot get, you cannot buy that. That advice is crucial to you becoming, a, you know, a, a, a good, good footballer. And if you can't take the advice of someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, then, you know, there's something wrong with your attitude. Um, unfortunately, it looks like there is within the changing mean, within the, in the dressing room, there's, there's become. There's become a somewhat of a divide between the players, you know, between the experienced players and the guys who've been there and done it and, you know, the, the the young lads who who seem to just want to take their own their own road and their own advice and probably advice off the wrong people who's giving them the advice, i.e. their agents and people like that. Um, I wonder sometimes whether the footballers these days, the, the young footballers who, you know, is not really as such made it, they're on too much money. For 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 me, I think they get they get the the, the, they think they're a star before they actually are. They're they're seeing this kind of money, they're driving around in these cars, they're buying these houses, and for me, it's it's that I've I've always said I feel like the money side of the game now has ruined the actual game. It's it's ruined the attitude of the young players. Um, It's ruined the ambition. It's ruined the. I'm trying to think of the word the passion for the club so when we were young players it, for me and for, for many many lads I played with it, it didn't matter what your contract was you were just made up that like you got a contract to play for Man United you know you wanted to be a Man United player and you would have died for the badge you would have you would have done anything for your team Um that mentality for me in, in football overall is gone and it's a generational thing for me that's why it's gone um and I, I just I think the direction football's took and the, the money in the game now it, it's turned the game into a business, not not a game. And the young the young kids, there's no loyalty to any clubs anymore. Um so so for me the, the attitude overall with, with
2: a lot of young players this day and age is wrong. And like when you look at this the this new generation of young footballers, and we talked about obviously there's a lot of like money in the game and money seems to be the driving factor for most things in, in football nowadays it like do you maybe think as you said these players to get these big contracts at the age of like they're already late teens early 20s and do you think maybe they think lovely now I've made it that's it like that that's me I'm done like Joe type of thing is it like or do you think maybe they look to say I'm, I'm a young player I'm playing for Man United now
4: no, get they, 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 I, I honestly think 100% they get that big money contract and they think they made it. They become big-time Charlies. They think there's something they're not. They, you know, you, you, you should you should be playing for the badge. You should be playing for the love of playing for Man United. And I think a lot, a lot of these players who, who, who come to United or, or even the lads, some lads what's grown up at United, they, they get that chance of the contracts and the money and it goes to the head. And it's a shame to see, but I, I really do think they just, the, the money's too high, especially for the lads who haven't really proven themselves yet.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd massively agree because I think there's some players who, who get them big contracts and all of a sudden then, you know, like they think they've made it and that's it. Like when the, there's so many different levels of development to go. And it, it's sad really to see because, look, we've, I think post-Seralix, we're, what we're, we're seeing a lot of is players coming. This football club for the money, not for the badge, but for the money. Like the, the wage structure, this football club, we can go into the how that's been mismanaged. Now, we're not a financial channel, we're a football podcast. But if you look at the way the United's wage structure has been in this last seven, eight years, it's been it's broken. Like it needs to be fixed. Yeah. But it's just one of these things where look, that's that's happening at board level, that not at, at, on the football inside. But again, that's where it comes from a lack of planning from the football side and the commercial side and how it was one person running that. But I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of these players in this football club were overpaid. I think there's a lot of players this football club who aren't good enough for this football club. They're not good enough to wear the shirt. But it's it's just, again, a situation where some of these players are very fortunate to play for Manchester United. And maybe that in this last two and a half years, they were, I suppose, they were shielded by Solskjaer because he took all the flack. Like Solskjaer took, I believe, took a lot more criticism than he should have got. I think Solskjaer protected a lot of them players. And now we're, we're, we're seeing this side to the players because there's no Oli there to protect them anymore. There's no Oli to take all that criticism the media, all the criticism of social media, all the criticism from the pundits. Like there's no Oli there to protect these players anymore. And I think that's where we're seeing some of the personalities of these players now. They're starting they're start to stand out now because there's not that, there's not that though, I suppose human shield that they had for two and a half years so i think we're, we're going to see who the real man united players we're going to see who are these players who want to play for the shirt because again as you said quite rightly some are getting paid too much money some are ego driven and they're, they're not playing for the badge they're playing for them themselves and this is where like thank god we've someone like Rad ragnick who look, historically has been a rootless leader someone who will get the bad eggs out of the dressing room and one great thing about Ralph Ragnick as well, he's going into this consultancy role. I think, that's a, a, like, look, let's say this doesn't work out, like, and we don't finish top four or whatever this year. The one great thing about Ralph Ragnick going into this role is he'll be after seeing this, these characters and addressing them and if he's involved in getting this new manager in, he's he's going to tell that new manager, who, who are the players with down tools? Who are these players you can rely on? Who can you not rely on? Yeah, and I think that, 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 that's what's great about this. So, I'm in in the thought process is you see this six month period right, whether we finish top four whether we win the Champions League whether we win the FA Cup, whatever may happen in that time frame this six months is going to identify who is going to be the future of this football club and if you don't want to be part of it, you know where to go I, I was, was, I was, I was literally just before you said it.
4: Going to say it, the only good, the only good part about it was having Ralph Rangnick as our manager because, like I say, he's a, he's a ruthless manager. The only thing were what, what confuses me with that. If I knew that I was on the a fringe player, and you know, m- you know, my job could be on the line or I could be out of Man United because because the manager is a ruthless manager. Why would the, why would the players put in a performance what looked last, last luster? Why would, they, why would they not want to run around the pitch and play? It's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you'd, you'd imagine, even if they weren't having a good game, you'd, you'd imagine that they'd, they'd work the trolleys off, you know, to try and impress the manager. But it looks like it's going backwards as though they don't give it, they don't give two hoops about running around or trying to implement these philosophies. It's, it, it, it just confuses me. Watching them
2: actually confuses me at the moment. It's mystifying. And, like, getting this, like, obviously, insight from both yourselves with regards, with regards this, because both of you played for the football club, You've been in and around Sir Alex Ferguson. You've been in and around the likes of Roy Keane. Imagine you're sitting in a dressing room with with them characters, Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Sir Alex, Goalsy, Giggsie, the g Park, players like this, players who are hard-working players who play for the badge, right? And you said to these players, see the next crop they're coming through there, they're not going to work hard. They're not going to die on the pitch. They're not going to put everything in for this football club and show what, what it means to this football club, to put the commitment in for the fans. Because that's what the, all previous Man United teams have done, but this team doesn't do. Phil, obviously, like, why, where do we go from here now? Because obviously a big game coming up this weekend against Aston Villa, and again, we've a fractured squad at the moment. We've players who who are leaking to the media that they don't want to be here. We've players who are banging out of form. We've players who are, whose attitudes are kind of... You know, all over the shop. They they just look like they're they don't want they don't want to be here. What's your thought process coming into this weekend? What should Ralph do in terms of trying to maintain some sort of solidarity in the dressing room?
3: For me, I, I just think Ralph's obviously got a really difficult job at the moment, no matter what he does. Um obviously a lot of the, the sort of negativity and, and sort of um unrest is is with all the players, but I think as a manager, all he can do is he can stick with his uh, philosophy, he can pick a formation, he can pick a team based on who he feels is is the best players um, in that position. And I think he's just got to stick with that then. And, and just as Lee said before, you know, you need that consistency of playing with um, the same players on a regular basis to, to build up them partnerships and, and sort of relationships within the squad. Um I think, you know, that that's probably the only way I see in terms of, you know, in the short term, us getting any better. And I think obviously when you do that as well, if you stick to your, your sort of formation and, and your team that you feel is your best 11, you find out then, obviously, you know, if some of the players aren't good enough, you can wean out the weaker players and then maybe identify, right, these are the positions that we definitely need to strengthen um, and, and maybe give, you know, some of the younger lads an opportunity uh, at some points to see if if they're good enough because obviously in a transfer window you you can only sign so many players and i think if i'm honest there's probably only half a dozen players um at, at most for me who's worthy of you know wearing the shirt and actually putting a, a sort of shift in on a, on a regular basis and i think that's shocking uh, as you, as you just said then as a young player if it, you know I, I was playing in the first team and you know, I had all the other characters in the dressing room around me I, I would be scared to even contemplate going out on the pitch and not giving a hundred percent never mind you know playing well I think that's the bare minimum um, that, you, that you would have been expected to do um and and for me when I watched Manchester United obviously I was there on Monday and it's just mind-blowing to, to see that you know some of these players are just you know sauntering through games and the professional athletes. You know the the fit the, the, they should be in the peak condition. They should be able to run for ninety minutes nonstop, um, and it, and it's just not happening. And and I know a lot of that comes with you know confidence, and but it, but it's your own attitude and it's your own sort of desire and passion that should drive you and 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 make you want to do the best that you can do. And even when you're not playing well, obviously we've touched on Rashford. I think he's obviously a prime example at the moment of. Somebody who's playing with no confidence, um, but but the body language that he's got as well—it's like he, everything seems like it's a chore. He's sulking, um, you know. Things aren't going well for him. His decision making at times is is really poor, which is probably the most frustrating thing about him for me. I think he's got all the talent in the world. I think he just does the wrong things at the wrong time. I think when he should take a man on, he, he passes it, and vice versa. I think. He, that's you know, when when a player's not playing well, I think that's a big part of it. You make a lot of wrong decisions and, you know, he's probably got a lot going on and we don't know what's going on with him in, in particular, but I feel as though that's spread throughout the team really and, and you can see that there's a lot of unrest and I feel as though it's it's gonna be difficult this season for us to, to sort of um you know have a settled eleven. We're gonna to struggle to probably finish in the top four because I think results again will fluctuate. I don't think we'll have a, a, a sort of consistent run of games where we're going to win, you know, five or six games in a row. I just can't see it because I don't feel as though we've got that, you know, consistency and, and you know the players who can you know stand up and be counted and you can trust. I think that's obviously what Ronaldo touched on in his interview—the mentality of some of the players and um, elite. And I think you know if you're an elite mentality, you need to want to win every single game that you go into, and if you don't win, you know, you put a performance in that everyone can look at and say, well, you know what, they, they did the best today, they put a shift in, they worked out, it just wasn't our day. And I feel as though we're, we're, we're a million miles away from that as a club um, in, in on a whole, really, at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard, but we've just got to try and push through this period and see where it takes us.
2: Most definitely. And I think, Phil, like, one thing you, you mentioned, is obviously being at Old Trafford on Monday, one thing... Our fan base is is as strong as ever in terms of like the atmosphere in Old Trafford. Like you, you're 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 in there like the Red Army,
3: that corner particularly up the Stratford and they they yeah,
2: sing the they, of the game.
3: Yeah, I, I, obviously I've not been for a long while, and and yeah, that that part of the ground was you know from minute one to to minute ninety, it was you know bouncing, and you know I I feel for them a lot more than you know sort of other fans because they're singing the hearts out all game trying to G the lads up and you know, when players aren't even responding to that, I mean, you're playing in front of seventy thousand people who are, you know, the atmosphere must be unbelievable. I mean, I, I play in front of a big crowd but, you know, probably not uh, th- that big and, and how can you not want to run around and, you know, put 100% effort in and try and entertain people and, you know, it, it just... It, it baffles me, it really does. I mean, I mean you know, as Lee said, the, the times have changed and stuff and, you know, kids are getting a lot of money these days and stuff, um, maybe too young and, and maybe the the love of the game gets taken out of that when you have all that stuff. But I, I just can't get my head around how, as a professional athlete, it's your job, thats that should be, you know, the bare minimum that you, you go out there and you work hard for 90 minutes and 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 it's just crazy that, that some of these players are, are getting away with it. Really, it's it's wrong, but yeah, there's, there's obviously nothing we can do about it. It's just the 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 manager's hands are tied as well. I think the players have got too much power. Um, I think you know back in the day, if if there was players who weren't running around, then you know it'd get dealt with straight away. You'd either be, you know, pinned up in the changing room, or you know you you wouldn't be playing. Um. Again, but unfortunately because of the players and the, the the sort of wage bills and you know the transfer fees and all that kind of thing some of these players are just getting picked no matter what and, and it, it's it's wrong
2: yeah it absolutely isn't if, if some of these players could show the same commitment that our fans do like we fans from all over the world will go to Old Trafford every week they spend their hard-earned money to go to Old Trafford maybe some people might spend their week's wages just on that one trip to Old Trafford like I can say from my own point of view like i if i go into a game and the game's a half 12 kickoff let's say for example i have to get up at 12 o'clock that night to get up and get on the bus at one o'clock in the morning to get to dublin airport fly out to the game do you know what i mean like that's the commitment let's say an irish fan would have to show or like let's say there's a fan flying from america let's say there's a fat has to do a fan Joe flying from germany whatever wherever it may be across the world or even just in the uk someone driving up from london someone driving from birmingham or even someone from Manchester who booked a day off work to go and watch their team. Like fans, our worldwide fan base shows so much commitment to this football club. And when you see the lack of commitment that these players show, it's absolutely disgusting sometimes. And it, it, like as you said, Phil, like in terms of you've, you're playing in front of seventy-six thousand people live. Like and and as you said, the the fans are always sing their heart out. The Red Army sing their heart out. The Stratford end, ever the whole all around the stadium. They're showing, you know, they're showing the utmost support. They're showing their love, the passion for everything for the football club. And then, like, when you see sometimes lack of effort, like the lack of, let's say, sometimes for a player to win for a 50-50 and try to win that challenge and win that second ball. Like, I was watching the game here with Amy the other night, and, like, the amount of times we didn't go for a second, never mind contest a second, like, never mind win it, right? The amount of times we didn't go to contest a second ball, I was mystified. Like, where, where like you, you don't win the first ball, fair enough, right, look, it happens. We all play ball, it happens, you don't win the first ball. Show commitment to win that second ball, or win it or, or show the commitment at least. You know, we, we don't see that. And it's, again, it, you're absolutely right, lads. You hit the nail on the head when you said, like, they're getting paid too much money, they're, they're protected too much. And, again, like, if you're not motivated to play for Man United, and you're not motivated to play for the biggest, fo- arguably the biggest football club in the world, Then I don't know what to say to you.
3: You know, like just before you move on, I'm that keen as well. That just obviously got me thinking. Then when when you mentioned about obviously when you come over to watch a game, you're getting up at twelve o'clock to fly over, and and I think, I mean, this might sound stupid or whatever, but for me, I I feel as though the, the people like yourselves and all these other fans that travel, you know you know, days and hours and the amount of sacrifice they give to just come and watch a game and the amount of money they spend to come and watch a game. I feel as though they, they should make, you know, a little video of all these fans that are coming to watch the games and put that together and the players should just sit down and just watch that. And that then, for me, would would, you know, make them hopefully realise that you've got all these people from all over the world, all over the country... Come in, spending massive amounts of money to come and travel to come and watch and support a football team, and you lads aren't even turning up on a match day and giving a hundred percent effort to, to to sort of show these people what what you can do, supporting you. And I think that is something that for me, if I'm, I mean, when I was at the club, I, I you know it was a completely different sort of um, environment, and that that would never be accepted, but at this moment in time, the way the club is, I feel as though if I was in that dressing room and I knew what was going on and the confidence wasn't there and people were up and down in terms of performance levels, if if we all sat down in a room and watched that and, and seen how much effort people go through to come and watch a game and support the club, I would feel ashamed and I'd feel embarrassed and I'd feel disgusted with myself that I'm not even going out on a field to do my own job and put in 100% effort to show the fans, you know, the 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 very minimum of what what they expect. And I think that would, would be something that I feel as though, you know, would, would it probably wouldn't hit home to all of them because some of them are, you know, they've got their own egos and, you know, whatever. But I think that would be something that some of them maybe could look at and think, Do you know what what we're doing here is just totally, you know, unacceptable and it's it's well off the mark and, and you know, that may be something you know that that you know happens or it may not happen but I feel as though that would be something that could maybe you know put into perspective what what's actually going on and, and how much of a crime it is really that the club's allowing this level of performances and and the fans are you know being shown basically a, a total lack of respect by the attitude and the the performance levels it's it's just totally not good enough it isn't. And I just said to Phil, like the, the most important word I'd
2: use there is perspective. Because I think some of these players need maybe to get that sense of reality and see some perspective and, and like, to see how lucky they are to be playing for this football club. Because when you're getting that big wage, you're, you're, getting, you know, you're getting to put on that Man United shirt and you're going out in front of 76,000 pr- people, that shouldn't be considered a luxury. That should be considered A privilege. A privilege. You know, to be put, put on that same shirt as a, as a Bobby Charlton, a Dennis Law, a Brian Robson, a Roy Keane, you know, Paul Scholes. Players like that, the greats, the absolute greats and legends of this football club. But for some of these players, they think they're bigger than the football club. There's some of these players who think their brand is bigger than the football club. And that's not right. It, it's not right. And it's one of these things where there's always so much you can put up with as a fan before you're like, you know, do one do you know i think that's i'm always supportive of all the players i'm always supporting from minute one to minute 90 i go to a game i don't stop singing myself you know i'm i've been in that same boat my girlfriend probably would kill me for half time for singing the whole way to the game i come home with no voice but i make sure there's no stone unturned in terms of supporting the team you know and i think when you look at like sometimes the commitment these players and isn't there and we're we're calling into question you know their their. Love for the football club, they love for the badge, and like sometimes after a game, some of these players they might they might even come over and clap the fans. Like, even after some of the away games this season, I know a lot of fans that go home the away. And like a couple of fans tell me at, at an away game that the, some of the players aren't coming over and clapping to the away fans. So, by the way, any ground the United's away support goes to, they outsing every single rival club when they go away from home. You know, and this is why I was saying earlier, I am buzzing, like I'm fingers crossed I'm going over to Madrid for the Champions League game. I can't wait to experience being in there amongst the Red Army, you know, sing your heart out, support the team. But how dare some of these players not go over to our way support when they, they try to carry you through the game, you know? How dare you not go over and just acknowledge them after the game and thank them for their support? Unconditional support as well. I think that's where, a lot of fans become disillusioned with some of these players, and this way people might go mad when someone criticizes a player. It's not, we're not criticizing them personally. Sometimes we just say, like, Look, we'd like to see a bit more commitment, a bit more desire, and to show why you want to play with why you want to play for the football club. Do you know, there's a lot, there's too much, I suppose, I suppose it's too too much fame in football now at this point in time like it's it's more it's more, not just a game anymore do you know what I mean there's so much money in television brand deals the whole lot and it it, it kind of takes away from the fact that some of these players are footballers that's your profession you know show what you're worth like if you're getting paid that much a week go out to pitch and show it to the fans and then the fans will love you the fans will keep supporting you but until then if, if fans are criticizing you, then or if the pundits are criticizing you, people on a podcast are, are criticizing you. Expect it if you're not showing the commitment. Do you know what I mean? Don't be down in tools. Don't throw your toys out of the plan. Just go out there and, and put it all out all on line for Manchester United Football Club, or for any football club for that matter. If you're a professional footballer, like you have an obligation to your fan base to you go out and put it all on the line for ninety minutes. Then after that is your business what you do in your life, and that that that's completely. you know? That's your own business, what you do. But if you're not putting it all out there on the football pitch in 90 minutes for fans who ultimately as well pay your wages at the end of the day, because United's worldwide fan base, like we pump so much money into that football club Now some of them might get taken out. That's another story for another day. But we we pay your wages at the end of the day. So show your commitment, show your thanks, acknowledge your fans after a game. So Do all of that. But again, it's just one of these things where Maybe this day and age, some of these footballers might be too soft, and maybe we're, we're maybe we white victims of being in that era where it's Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, players like that who who would dive, would rather die than put in, a you know, than show a lack of effort. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where maybe sometimes we become a bit disillusioned with the game because we were we were all like I was brought up and watching all these players. My name says it in itself. I was named after one of Manchester United's greatest ever captains, in Roy Keane. You know. I'd brought up watching that type of football. And then when I see some players pull out of a 50-50 challenge, I'm like, Hell. You know? It's just mind-boggling. But I might have gone on a bit of a rant there, guys. I do apologize, but it's it's one of these things where look sometimes when you when you support a football club and you support them through tick and tin, I think and sometimes enough's enough and you you do need to put things into perspective and Maybe some of these players need that. They need a sense of reality and perspective that they that they're lucky to be playing for this football club. And, you know, that's it really. But I don't want to go on. I don't want to go on about this all night because I'll drive myself mad, and I'll end up going on and on and on. And I know the guys are showing great appreciation for us in the comments tonight. So, thanks very much for your support. And don't forget, guys, do smash like the video, hit that subscribe button. If you know we do have a lot of content coming these coming weeks and months. And again. You know, we will have the Wednesday podcast with Marcus. Um, on Wednesday, obviously Wayne and Paul Parker, you know obviously David Scott Wooten. Look, if you want ex Manchester United players support, you know, insight, if you want you know professional insight, come over to this channel here or talk devils. You know, it's um it's absolutely fantastic. But parts of this show that I always love in this podcast, not just breaking down players, not so much break, getting breaking down the insight, all that type of stuff. What I always love doing on the show is obviously breaking down the tactical side because obviously with the guys obviously playing for Man United, playing the professional game, they would have the insight in in terms of how players work, how setups work and so on. But obviously like last week we talked about the opposition guys in in terms of Aston Villa and like, you know, by all accounts they played quite well on Monday. Now this week they have brought in, they've actually done really, really well in this window. They brought in Philippe Philippe Coutinho on loan and they brought in Luke Dean and from Everton and Lee, I'll come to you first obviously on these signings. Obviously, look, Villa down just below mid table, and Stephen Gerrard seems to be showing a bit of pulling power by bringing in these players. And though Villa, like apart from the loss there, they, they, they the players really seem to be on board and buying into kind of Gerrard's idea. And look, he's bringing in one of the best left backs in the league, and though I suppose previously one of the best midfield players in Europe in Philippe Coutinho. Looking at these two players coming into this game, obviously, Dini has a good record against, good decent record against United. Coutinho always seems to show up for that game against United in terms of scoring screamers against us. What do you make, first of all, of Villa attracting them two players as a football club, but also the the threats that they could potentially pose tomorrow?
4: Absolutely, absolutely great window for them, if you ask me. Um, Great signings. Villa's Villa's got a strong squad to start off with. Um, I mean, I love McGinnett United. I know that might sound a bit, but I'd love a player like McGinnock United because I think he's a United player. Um, I think I think going on, on what I've seen this this season of, of Villa, um, quite a few of the players walk into our squad, if, 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 I'm, being, if I'm being quite honest. Um, so I was worried before the signings come about this match about um, us actually, you know, getting a result. Um, I'm a little bit more worried now, to be honest, with the players they've signed. Um we're gonna to have to be at our best, let's be honest. We're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna really have to be at our best. Um, and sometimes I know we've gone on about it all podcasts about the effort, but sometimes effort wins your matches. If you're not playing well, sometimes you can scrape it, you can scrape through a game with just putting the effort in. And the effort's gonna to have to, to change this match. Um, t- to be able to do anything. I'm 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 really I'm unconfident. I've, I've I've never give on this podcast uh, a review where we've we've given a score prediction at the end of at the end of the cast where I've said that United will lose and I, I still don't want to do that but I'm I'm very very what from the match on Monday I'm very unconfident that we could get a win I think if we get a draw at this moment in time you know I, I think that's going to be a good result for us which is all an awful thing to say when you're talking about Man United versus Aston Villa um, you know for for years they've they've been a given but. Their squad at the moment for me is it is not it, it, it's as good if not stronger than our squad. So uh, I'm a I'm a little bit, little bit worried. Um, just just touching. I know you we went on about it and we've all on about it a little bit. But I, I was dying to get my two pence within about the supporters, to be honest. So because yeah, I was actually getting, I was I was I could feel myself getting riled up a little bit as as you were speaking about it as being a you know a supporter myself and a lad who what's been a keen supporter with Man United all my life, whether I was playing for them or not. Um, it, it, it's no surprise that Man United fans aren't thick. You know what I mean. They know the game. They're not stupid. They know the game. Man United fans will accept players being off form and and you know and and not playing well and not scoring goals. But it's no surprise why Man United fans love Cavani. It's no surprise why Man United fans. I've just been writing it down. The you know. Fred this season is coming for a lot of criticism but also gets a lot of praise from the United fans because these are players which work the socks off and don't go missing in games and put the effort in not just for themselves but put the effort in for the supporters, these are the type of guys we need in the squad to show the supporters that they care yeah, tell us you know, another example what I love to see the other week all he did, he tracked a guy down from, from left back Put a tackle in, punch the air. It was buzzing that he'd made that tackle. He looked committed. He looked like he was there for the cause, and supporters will take to that all day long. For me, that is that is the kind of players we need. And it is, like I say, guys, great, great points. There's no excuse for the for the guys for the, for the lads who've been put out there not to put that effort in. I can take play players not playing well and going for a bad patch, but they've got to put that effort in and they've got to show the supporters who go week in week out and show that dedication that they're actually dedicated to, to the supporters too. And I think, you know, that that was a, a very good third point. And I had to get it in because I, I could feel myself getting riled up as you were speaking about it. So I felt like you had to get that one in today.
2: Absolutely. And and like look, you're, you're absolutely bang on. And again, it, it, sometimes it's absolutely criminal when, when you see players pulling off of tackle. I believe that us challenge was in the Arsenal game, wasn't yeah. it, as well? I yeah, I mean,
4: absolutely loved it. He didn't even have the best game, to be honest with you, but just to see him buzzing that he'd gone back and put a t- it, out, it, it showed the commitment what he had in that game. Elango, when he came on the other day, and he riled the crowd up, a young lad, it showed he was trying and he was committed. United fans will take to that all day. Any football fans who support in a club will take to attitude. Whether you're a good player, whether you know you're having a bit of an off season, you put that attitude in, and United fans will praise you all the way and that's all they need to do i can't understand why they don't do it It, it,
2: without swerving
4: it gets on my nerves
2: (laughs) yeah trust me i've been biting my tongue all night when i'm talking about these players i really have like do you know thankfully the swear jar is right beside me so i'm not gonna i'm not going to i'm not gonna delve into it because i don't want to be broke by the end of the podcast but yeah look absolutely look it's it's a situation where Hopefully, Rangnick weeds out some of these players, you know, who aren't committed, and then he tells that new manager. And we—I mentioned it to Mark other night, like, Whether it's a Pochettino, whether it's whether it's a Ten Hag, you know, whether it's you know someone who prospectively wants high energy football and wants committed football and wants a high press and wants to control football matches, you can't have some of these players who are here, because again, that president is already set that they've been, I suppose, mollycoddled for. Two and a half, three years. They've got like again, as I said, Solskjaer was that human shield who took all the BS basically from everywhere. He took all of that stuff. And then like as soon as he's gone, it's no surprise. dressing room leaks are coming out. 17 players want to leave, 13 players want to leave, you know, whatever the rumors were, you know, someone players are saying they're fit, but then they're not being picked in the match day squad. None of this was happening under the previous manager. I'm not saying Ralf is the issue of definitely isn't. What I'm saying is it's no surprise when the manager was getting every bit of criticism and the manager, people saying it was just the manager that was the issue, which maybe, look, maybe some of his team selection is rough. Yes, they were. Maybe some of his tactics were rough. Yes, they were. His in-game management was off sometimes. Yes, it was. But one thing that was abundant during his tenure, especially in the last six months of his tenure, was he was the only one Taking the criticism, taking it on the chin, and openly in interviews saying that he was to blame. And I think that's where now these players have nobody gonna solve share to hide behind, and now they're getting found out, and they don't like being getting found out because they're being babies, they're throwing their toys out of the pram. But again, this is where look we, we've seen this next six months. Who's who's here for the long haul? Who is here to be in the fight? Who's here to be in that rebuild? You know, like, as much as I say Cristiano Ronaldo is a great leader, Cristiano Ronaldo will not want to be here to fight for seventh place. No. Bruno Fernandes will not want to play, fight for seventh place. You know, David De Gea, as much as I love him, and he's one of the most committed goalkeepers and in the last decade, probably has been United's best player, if you're talking between 2000 and 20, 20, well, sorry, 2012 to 2022, if you're talking that overall period, bar Robin Van Persie for them two years, you're, David De Gea has been our best player in the last decade. Dav De Gea's the stuff we're taking 10 he's one of our only players in the squad by Phil Jones won the Premier League like and Ronaldo obviously they're not going to want to stay for too much longer if, if this is happening and they're in a fracture dressing room they're not challenging for trophies because at the end of the day these players are still top players you know um, but again it's just it's mystifying kind of how they can get away with it for so long now the minute their human shield is gone now it's all of a sudden this player's unhappy, that player's unhappy. There's a whole cohesion of players not happy. They're not happy of training in the dark until half five the evening. like that. Again, that for me is just absolute nonsense. Like, that's nonsense. I, know, I, like-
4: I, I, I hate the talk of a rebuild. I absolutely hate the talk of a rebuild because I feel like we've been rebuilding and rebuilding. But if these players aren't committed to the club, for me, and Ralph Vangnick can bring players in who obviously he's been associated with all within German football and he, he knows he can bring in players who you, you know who will play for him and, and, and play for his philosophies. I can I can only see that's the way he's gonna go. I think he'll ship like I say he'll ship out the bad legs and they will bring in the lights of is it uh Hadir from Leipzig who he knows um, yes aria as well. Um, he knows and he trusts and you know what I mean? They might not be big name I mean I'd like personally I'd like him to bring in players which are Premier League proven as in Neves or within Declan Rice, Bisuma. We know they can do it in the Premier League. But I've got a feeling that Rangit like, might just bring in some players what you know we're not really familiar with, but who we trust and who he knows will know, stick to his philosophies and do do it well. And I I can be, I can see it happening. I really can see
2: that happening. Yeah. Again, like if there's so many things I think that we we need to change. And I think did this 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 process, because I think that's a word that's been thrown around a lot in these last couple of years is process plus the process understanding the process i was understanding that under ollie in terms of where we were going what would the, what that was and where we wanted to be eventually that didn't work out but you could see the type of squad we were building in terms of identifying young quality players to come through obviously you get your rashford's your greenwoods players like that and then you, we were buying kind of player, british-based play, players to kind of help suit the physicality of the league Obviously, he looked at like the likes of McGuire, Wamba, Consequently, they haven't been a raging success. But you could see, kind of, you know, what his idea was, you know, in that regard. And I think maybe right now, I think we have to reassess. We kind of have to throw a new book at it, you know. And you're absolutely right. You think Rad Ragnick, maybe bringing in players he trusts, do you know, in players who. Yes, he had in Germany, but he knows he will have high energy, will have high commitment, will suit a press. Maybe that will be the right, right idea. And I think that Thomas Tuchel like done that the minute he came to Chelsea. Like Chelsea were a back four team under Lampard. Lampard was picking X, Y, and Z, like he was picking let's say the mounts, Tomoris, pairs like that. Then Tuchel comes in, he came in, he was like, Right, I'm playing three five two, three four three, right, Rudiger, you're in. Havertz, you're in. Do you know and um, Jorginho you're back in there do you know what I mean like that's what he done he identified right these are key little parts of my system these are players who are going to work these, these players who played under Lampard okay you're not going to work like maybe Ralph Ragnick needs to do this I've seen this, this one theory probably going to be hard but maybe Ralph can maybe work with prospectively who that new manager is and you're weeding out them players right now you're telling that like if Man United have a plan here they can realistically say right. Like, Work with this manager coming in the summer. Obviously, they're not going to announce it right now because he's probably at another football club, most likely, right now. If Man United have this plan in place, which they say they do, rather than this new manager and John Bertha and Darren Fletcher should be in communication right now and saying, like, look, long-term, we don't think certain, these certain players aren't a fit. Our targets right now need to be identified right now so we can bring them in either in January or in the summer and get the system integrated for what needs to be next yeah. season. Yeah. Because...
4: I, I, I think I've, I've mentioned it on the podcast and I heard you mention it to Marcus on the on the podcast. Uh, I think the spine, I think that's the key word at the minute is the spine of the team isn't is, is, is it good enough. The, the, uh, obviously, we've got Ronaldo up front, but we, I kind of dismiss Ronaldo because we know we've not got, you know, we can't do a rebuild during Ronaldo. He's only got a season or two left in him before he's probably moved on. So for me, we need straight there in the middle. A world I, don't, I mean we bought Varan, but we need that we need someone to partner the uh, I mean I love Rudiger. I think Rudiger is, is a is a fantastic centre back. You know, I think we need a world class midfielder and I think I still think we need a Harland or someone up front so we can get that spine and build a team around that spine. You look at the spine we've got and it's we've got Fred and McTominay who we're saying is a Best two defensive midfield players and fair players. they do doing the part- have job of one player, basically. Yeah. 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 And we've said it before. They are, although we don't, we, we, we wish we didn't have to pick that. Sometimes we're left with no other option but to pick them. And third play to them, they have been the last couple of games, probably our best players. But we've said it hundreds of times. They ain't good enough. They show the commitment, which I love. And like I say, I praise Fred all day long because he doesn't go missing and he tries his knackers off every game. That's what I like about him. But he isn't the answer. And if we want to get back to where United should be, which we need to be, because we're Man United, we need a strong, world-class spine. And at this
2: moment in time,
4: we haven't got it, mate. Yeah.
2: And that's a massive problem. Me and Marcus discussed on Wednesday's podcast. If you haven't caught that, do scroll down on the channel on Talk Devils uh, and do check that out, obviously, after this video. Stay tuned in, because we do have to get through our starting 11s and score predictions as well on the show because obviously look we like playing that little bit of bingo on the show normally phil is a, is a is a crafty individual when it comes to picking his lineups and score predictions as of late so hopefully i'm actually hoping for once i can get a win in here or at least lee can get a win in here because but phil seems to be crafty at picking these little 11s and these little score predictions and then like he's he's almost becoming a conor mcgregor here but he's also becoming like mystic max so like, look, I think we're going to have to... Myself and Lee may have to become, like, the world's greatest tag team out of WWE and try team up to take Phil's predictions down. So, look, what we're going to do here is we are going to get um our starting 11 um, predictions. We'll get score predictions after them from the collective panel um, in, in regards to that. But also, guys, people in the comments, give us your starting 11s, your formations, who you think should start, who you think shouldn't start, who you think he should be dropped. Let us know. Um. Phil, I'll come to you on that note, and um, just so me and Lee can obviously tear apart their own elevens. Um, when um, when we get the elevens up, but Phil, give us your start eleven. Give us your um one to eleven, obviously formation, and so on.
3: I think if I get this week's prediction right, we need to get it trending, Mystic Marsh. Because Mystic I've Marsh, been, yeah, yeah, I've been getting them all right all season, but uh, no, um, I think. Team selection wise, I actually feel as though um, it'll be a similar team to what we played the other night. I think there'll be three changes. I, I, I think obviously Dalo with the injury that he suffered. I know obviously seeing he'd, he'd had stitches and um, that looked quite nasty, the little gash that he had um, yeah. on his ankle. So I think obviously Wambasaka will will probably come back in um, at right back for him. Um, obviously McTominy's not available. Um so in terms of if we're gonna play the diamond formation, I think um Donny van der Beek um potentially could come in there um for McTominy in the midfield. And I, I feel as though obviously um because of the way Rashford's been playing um and obviously, you know, the confidence levels and all that kind of thing, um for me, I actually feel as though Ralph needs to just make the decision and take it out of his hands and, and just sort of give him a bit of a break and and sort of, you know, give somebody else an opportunity who's going to, you know, at least show the work rate and the effort. And for me, if it was me, I would give Alanga a shout and, and try and, you know, give him a chance. But I actually think he'll put Sancho in. Um, I think obviously he's not played for, you know, a couple of games. And, and obviously I think he, he will come back in just to freshen it up a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be the same same team, uh, other than you know other than that. And obviously, I'm not. Uh, is Ronaldo? I think he's still you know doubtful, or maybe you know fifty fifty whether he's ready to start. I know he's been struggling a little bit. Um so yeah, I think if he's basically ready to play and he, he's you know saying he, he's fully fit, then I think he will start ahead of Cavani. But obviously, if he's not fit, then I think obviously it'll it'll still be Cavani up top.
2: Yeah, hopefully, do you know Ronaldo is fitting? Or Ralph did say in his press conference that he is fitting, and I literally just seen on social media that Ronaldo was sent home. Well, I'll just say to this person reporting this, you're definitely wrong because Ralph Ragnick said he trains tomorrow and he's training today. So, yeah. Could
3: him in case, I, I, yeah, in that case, I, I'll say four changes then and, and Ronaldo to, to start up front.
2: Yeah. Let's get Lee back in there. Lee back in there. Why are you said, saying Lee? You
4: can't change your mind now. But you said that's it. Uh, you said Kevon, Oh
2: well, uh,
3: I, that's, uh, I didn't uh, know we if yeah. Well, Kevon, I'm blaming uh, my the team. He said he was 75% fit. So.
4: And to be fair, I've not heard you say that to uh, Luke Shaw too, uh tell us he's playing. So I, I, I'm presuming you think Luke Shaw's playing too.
2: So that's, yeah, uh, we, we've got that too. We've got Keane because Luke Shaw uh, can't play, can he? Yeah, he suspended him and McTominay are both sus- suspended this week. So Mystic Marsh. Oh, well,
3: the, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, natural placements just come in, don't they? So, <laughs> we're trying I'm, I'm, I'm not as savvy as you two with all the suspensions and injuries and stuff. We've, we've, got, to, we've got to keep up. You've got too much and time and grants to, to analyze all that.
4: Uh, I was literally going to say when I was giving my team, I'm just going to say the same as Phil, but uh, I, I had to. I wouldn't do that. that.
3: Oh, man, I'm <laughs> not playing. All the ones that are suspended or injured are not playing
2: me <laughs> <laughs> on that note, give us your formation and also your one to eleven for tomorrow. I wrote a couple of formations out if I'm being honest I, I, I
4: don't want to say four two 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 because for me it doesn't work not with the players in the squad we've got um I don't know whether we'll go back to four two three one you know I, I just got a feeling he might go and try and start four two three one uh that's the team. that's what I've wrote down um. I know we say we he wants three in midfield and it feels like that's the way we can go forward and win games. Um, but I, I, I've just gone with my head and I've gone, obviously, David De Gea in net, that's a given. Uh, I've gone, obviously, with with Saka on the right. I've gone Lindelof and Varane in the centre and I've gone Alex Telles, which obviously has been, it's, it's a given. I think Ragnik's already come out and said that he will be starting um, in his press conference. So, Telles. I think, obviously, with uh, McTominay not available, I think Fred's a a starter. He's going to start Fred. And I think the the decision, what he's got to make, is whether he plays Donny or Matic alongside him, if he goes with his formation. I've personally gone for Donny. Uh, All the reason being is, obviously, in his his post-match interview, he said that Donny kind of changed the game when he came on for that last 20 minutes. Um, And he felt like we got a little bit more control over the over the midfield area, which I feel will be vital against uh, against Villa on Saturday, so I've gone then for my defensive two in the midfield, um, and then Fernandez straight in the middle, um, and then I've gone Sancho and Greenwood at the side of them, and then I've obviously gone Cristiano Ronaldo if he's fit playing up front.
3: So you're basically copied my team.
4: Cop- copied your team apart from Tello, yeah. Wow, right. fair <laughs> enough.
3: Alangue, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. not in. I'm not putting Alangue in. No, well, I didn't say Alangue was going to play. I just thought he. I said Sancho, but I think if it was me, I, I, after what I seen the other night, obviously I was there, the way he came on and had an impact on the game, I feel as though he deserves an opportunity. Maybe not this game, but you know, in the coming can, week.
4: Can I, think, can, I ask, can I ask you a question, Phil? Because obviously you was at the game, and obviously when you at yeah, the game, yeah you can, you can see a lot more what goes on than when you you watch it on television. With Donny coming on on that last twenty minutes, did he change the midfield like Ralph Vanek said he did, or did could you see that when you was there?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, I think he, I think he did. I don't think it was obviously like a massive difference where we, it sort of completely transformed the game in terms of like it was looking more solid and 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 sort of um, you know a little bit more competitive in there. But I just think yeah, it, when he came on because prior to that it looked as though Villa was sort of, you know, overrunning on us and they they were being able to, you know, ping balls into the front men at ease, you know, because the gaps were too big. Mm. I think when he came on, he just gave us that little bit more sort of control and and sort of, um, you know, got a few... Like, for me, when when you're looking at the midfield, I always see the the best midfielders, you know, they they get five, ten passes in and, and keep the ball moving and ticking over, whereas... When I was watching the other night, a lot of our play it was like one and two passes, and then it was either you know looking for that worldy of a switch, or it was you know trying look, looked everything a little bit rushed. Whereas when a bit you see false. the play, yeah, a bit forced, like you know not not sort of you know keeping the ball moving and, and waiting for that opportunity to play forward and doing it with conviction. It was more you know done two or three passes. Now we need to we need to go forward, or we need to you know. Play well you know. I think I think
4: that that's one of the major problems too. Just just before we get Keen's uh, Keen's team, I remember obviously when, when we used to play, we used to go and watch every match. Um, and what used to stand out for me we was we was never rushed. If you understand what I mean, yeah. so if something wasn't off sure. sure. they, they just switch. They switch the ball. They come back out. But when we did penetrate, we penetrated, in nine times out of ten, it was precise and it worked. I feel it, like was now, I it was the intensity.
3: It was the intensity of the actual yeah. I I feel like of, we've,
4: we've, rushed, we've rushed that ball now, yeah. But, and Bruno, the main culprit for it, he's he's our main creative player, and he's the guy what does yeah. all of the creativity and you know makes things happen. But the difference is, the ten times he tries it, eight of the times it gets cut out or it goes out of play or. And I, I just feel like that's the, the massive, massive difference in, in today's squad with the squad what we grew up with and the squad what we yeah. played with is when we didn't use that intensity and the free balls and it yeah. worked. You know what I mean? It was precise, it yeah. but that, that's gone now. I ball. think
3: when you when you compare that obviously when you see the likes of obviously Bruno now who's playing them balls from deeper, the the ones that are you know trying to play people in, so they're running in behind or you know, diagonals to, to sort of set your wings away. I always look at it and compare it to obviously when you know you can't really compare it because Paul Scholes was probably the best midfielder that, uh, that there ever has been who, who could do that and play them diagonal balls. But mm. obviously, the players when them balls were getting played in were, were always sort of on the move and it was pinpoint and it was with a purpose. Yeah. And yeah, as soon as that ball was done, they knew that it was you know control, touch out the feet, whip, and there's people in the box ready and waiting.
4: I suppose we've just been spoiled probably with one yeah, of the yeah, and, and I, I, I speech, get that.
3: You know, you know, but even when like we easy. do play balls, there's not many people in the box ready to receive a cross because yeah. they don't expect it. And as a centre forward, if you're, you know, not expecting a ball to get crossed in, there's nothing worse because you you know, when I used to watch Van Nistelrooy he just used to stay in the box and when it, when it went out wide he just knew that the delivery was coming in you had, you, had, you, had, you had gigs and you had yeah. players like that. you knew Providing nine that times out of a, ten that ball's getting whipped in the that's
4: the difference whereas now
3: in. you don't know if they're cutting back are they coming yeah. outside inside are they just going to you know give it away it's it's, it's frustrating but it is mate it is.
4: sorry about that Keith. we just had a little talk between ourselves though, for a minute
2: <laughs> I appreciate you do because I just sit back and listen to the insight I love it do you know but like I, I do, I, I agree with you on that point. And if you think, if you look at some of the goals we scored earlier on in the season, when we didn't have just Bruno as a creative outlet, when Pogba was there, we were creating more chances. And it wasn't just Bruno, p- still pinging in hopeless balls. And even if you look at the, the couple of games where, remember the young boys' game, the Champions League, where Bruno played played that pass, and Ronaldo was anticipating he was going to play it. Like Ronaldo is that number nine. The rest of our number nine is about Cavani too, too. The rest of them don't anticipate that run. They Don't anticipate the ball coming in, I think that's where you know there's a difference. Where we'd have a road up there, you'd have Rooney up there, Saha, Tevez. Those players like that would go to extra inch to do yeah. you know, to, uh, to obviously be, be make that run in precise time, but also be expecting that cross. Yeah. You know, maybe strikers aren't like that these days, they all kind of want to interfere and they'll go on the half turn. So, maybe yeah. the strikers today in this day and age are, are different to maybe what we would have had it, like you know, 10 20 years ago. And you had the moves, Joe, you, know, you had the Obviously Rooney's players like that who would who could do everything they can suppose anticipate movements but also kind of know where to be. So yeah, it's it's different to what we have now. The standard is just much different. Just just um, that, the
4: work effort thing, what you mentioned earlier, Keen, obviously you're you an avid Man United supporter and I've been all your life. Um you look at the likes like said, Bruno Fernando now in that position, and going back to what we were on about of of effort and you know willingness to, uh, to, to to try and be the best you can before Man United. Who would you rather have watched playing football? Would you rather have watched Bruno as he is now or the likes of Jason Park in the centre of midfield?
2: You know, what, what would you rather have seen? Sorry, I, I actually missed half that earlier, just repeat repeat what you said Yeah, there. yeah, just going on about, obviously, when
4: we was talking about the, the lack of effort in squads and things like that, obviously, we've got a world-class play, player in Bruno now at the minute in time. But as a supporter, as you are, what would you rather have watched? Would you rather have watched the likes of Bruno as he is now? Or the likes of a Sun Park in the centre midfield, who give everything for the cause. What what as a what as a, a supporter would you have
2: have watched? I'd probably rather a Sun Park because you know there's the effort, there's the desire, there's ninety minutes worth of commitment. Now Bruno is good; he still shows commitment, he shows creativity, but sometimes he can be a bit moody. Sometimes he can. Yeah. I'm not going to use the word. I was going to say, but he can get onto the referee sometimes a bit too much. Yeah, and I think Jason park was actually like people would say he wasn't creative, but he he'd get into the box and he'd commit and he'd he'd make runs and he he would chip in with an odd goal or two. I think yeah. that's where look, some of these players again, football is probably yeah, a bit
3: different. Fletcher was another one like that who yeah. maybe didn't get the appreciation appreciation, sorry, for you know how good of a footballer he was. People just used to see him as maybe a, a bit of a runner and you know, yeah. break the play up and stuff. And, and, you know, he was another player who was technically amazing because we, we obviously played and trained with him. Late. Um, and, you know, what a player he was all around. I mean, really. but, I, mean I commented on the, on the podcast
4: with Marcus the other day um, and it was on about teams and things like that. And one of the comments I made on the was in the, the last season Sir Alex Ferguson won won, you know, the Premier League. The players, they had weren't, they weren't a world-class squad if you look at that oh, players. Yeah. Uh, John O'Shea, play, play yeah. people like this, you yeah. know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Brown, they, they weren't the world's best, but what they had was an identity and they had team spirit and they would have died on the pitch for each other. And it's, For me, it's just so obvious the difference from when we were playing and then players we were playing was to the players, you know. It's just, it's, it's night and day, it's chalk and cheese. It's yeah. just completely, completely different, mate.
3: Do you know? Do you know what I think it comes down? I mean, I'm sorry to keep harping on. We'll get Keane's prediction and starting eleven in a minute, but just, just I was obviously thinking when you were talking before about obviously what's going wrong this day and age, and and obviously when we was there, and I used to always get drilled into me, and I'm sure you did as well. Like every age group, every manager, every coach, you you train how you play, and I think yeah. in training, I mean, I don't know what United's first team are doing in training currently and, and sort of, you know, um, in the past few years under, you know, the manager's device. But for me, it just looks as though, you know, some of these players in training, you can't, I mean, I used to remember if if, if I trained well, I would always go into the Saturday game or whenever I was playing and, and play well. If I was sloppy in training and I thought, oh, do you know what? I've had a bad game there in training or whatever. It goes into the game and yes. you don't realise it, but if you're not putting 100% in and, in, and training with that intensity and practising the things that you're going to do on a match day, you know, every single day to the details, then it, it goes into the game and, and some of these players, you can see that in, in the performances because you're not telling me you're training every single day, working on stuff all week to go onto a football pitch in front of seventy thousand people. And, and perform the way they're doing because it, it can't happen, it's yeah. it's just not, it doesn't make any sense to anybody. Do you know what I mean?
2: And so, what stands out to me in that job you know for the Wolves game when the players are walking out? This is the one is playing, obviously, you, you know, the score when before a game, old Trafford, is the old This one is playing. the players are walking out. The body language in all the players, bar Phil Jones,
3: mm.
2: he looked like he was well off, for, he was soaking up the moment, he was the person who was ready to put his body and soul on the line for Man United. Yeah. The rest of them look like they're they're already bet before they, the the whistle was blown. Yeah, yeah. I
4: remember I remember Chucky Brian McClure. on a Friday. We used to play local lads the so- town lads, and he would beg us to calm down, and we was kicking ten minutes yeah. of crap out each other because we wanted to impress that bad, and we wanted to be in that start in a lineup. Do you, do you understand what I mean? That was the, the yes, level of commitment to where you've got your manager telling you to calm down, and you wouldn't because you wanted to. You wanted yes. to impress, and you wanted to. That was just for the reserves. Yes. So when you had the chance to play in the first team, God, my God, you would have you would have jumped through fire to yes. get in that first team squad. You know what I mean? It's, it's just just a different thing in it. And like I said with Phil Jones, he's been there at that time where that was the attitude from probably you under 16 signing a YTS all the way up to the first team, every player had that same attitude because every player, although you had friends there and although you made friendships, you was competing again to get in that first team. That was your ultimate goal and you would have done whatever to get there.
2: Nowadays, it just seems too easy. Yeah. And again, it's too many of these players are just... They are they have their priv- like They think playing for my night is a luxury. They're getting their wage and that's it. This is a nice, cushy job. It's a blood, and sh- like I don't want to say a word, but it's a it's a privilege, it's a privilege to play for this football club, and you're you're dancing all over now, and you when you're putting on performances like you do week in week out. So I don't know how we change it. Well, I do know how we change. We we've been so many pairs, but look, you can't do that in one window. This this isn't FIFA. This is a quick fix where you go into FIFA and you can you can buy. 10 15 players in the transfer window and sell 10 15 players. It's it's it's,
4: it's hard when you you've bought into a rebuild with Oli and you could see what was happening there to then scrap that full idea and then go back to a you know again. let's get rid of them all and, and
2: rebuild again. That that that's what that disheartens me to be honest, yeah. That, and that's exactly that's exactly it. And like again, as I said, it, when when you look at Solskjaer's reign, you could see them two three years, yes, okay, we lost the couple of semi finals, yes, we lost the Europa League final, but there was natural progression in terms there's of yeah. there was progression in terms of right look third in this first season second is next season okay next step was get a title challenge this year and win a trophy okay that wasn't possible you know that wasn't possible after October, November okay it was time for him to go completely acceptable but then some of these players ended completely down tools even after he left look I think that speaks volumes in terms of where they are you know it um, it's just one of these things but I'm just going to come to Reese's comment before I give my 11 because I think I something I, I just mentioned he can't bin these players. The uh, Reese says in his first summer window, Louis Van Gaal did bin 16 players he deemed un, uh, not suitable. If United are ambitious, they've been they've been in large number. It can happen again, but don't bin 15 or 16. Yeah, there was a couple of players Van Gaal did bin that summer. That I was a bit mystified that um he been I wouldn't have been Chicharito, I'm just going to say that out there now when he left to go go that summer. That um that broke Mark. because I absolutely loved him. He was someone who knew to be in the box and get them little tap and little like you know little moments. He was almost like, uh, he was uh, even though Ollie was brilliant and Ollie was and Ollie's anticipation in the box. But Chicharito was someone else as well who could come off the bench and you know be that intelligent player. When he left, that was a, a disheartening moment because he was a great super sub. But I'm going to get to my starting eleven there now. It's actually a completely different formation to both of the lads um. I'm actually going to go what we went in the last 20 minutes um, in terms of the midfield shape. Because I think when you look at Villa's midfield, when you have likes of Ramsey, Douglas, Louise, obviously McGinn is out, but I dare to say they'll have another midfield pair in there who can, similar idea, same philosophy, high energy, control the ball. So for me, obviously, with McTominay being out, I don't fancy us going with a two midfield of Matty and Fred. Because... I think they get, I think Fred will get overran. I think Fred would do manage his job firm. I think we get quite exposed. And so I'm going to go with the diamond. Um, Now, this does mean I'm leaving one or two out, but I'm doing this to take the fact that there's a couple, there's a certain couple of players out. So I'm just doing this to kind of match Villa's intensity in midfield, but also to make sure, do you know, that we can control the game and bring bring our attackers and fullbacks into play. So obviously, going to have De Gea in between the nets, that speaks for itself. And, Quite rightly, I think Dodalo probably will be out because of that gash. So I'll go Bissaka, um our right back. And then I will go, um, well, I want Lindelof to start um, beside Varane, but I think Harry Maguire will be brought back in. And um, I think Maguire will be brought back in, in alongside Varane, even though I don't necessarily um, agree with that. And um, then I'm going to go, obviously, by process of elimination. Um, I will go Alex Telles um, at left back. Um, Then midfield kind of four to kind of help combat um, Villa's um, kind of energy and intensity in midfield. I'm going to go Matic sitting kind of as the, the, I suppose, the tip of the diamond as the holder. Then I'll have Donny to one side, Fred to the other. And then I'll have Bruno sitting at at the top of the diamond as the attacking midfield player. Then I'm going to go with a front two of Cristiano Ronaldo and Mason Greenwood um, as the front two. Obviously, look, you have Greenwood who can get on the ball. He can link up play. And obviously, Ronaldo is the finisher up there. Obviously, Mason's a great finisher too. But I think that front two, obviously, you have Mason's legs who can get in behind who can... Obviously, when Mason Greenwood played as a striker this season, he played very well as a nine. So I think in this formation, he can play there again. And the last time he played in this formation was actually against Leipzig in the Champions League last season. He played quite well, playing in playing as part of the two in the Diamond. So I'd like to see Mason playing this role again, especially alongside Cristiano. Obviously, when you have Matic and Fred, obviously Donny kind of behind Bruno, it gives Bruno more license to get involved further up, further up with them and make late runs into the box and score goals. He did also thrive in this formation last season when Oli played it. It was about four or five times he played it, but Bruno did... you know, did play well in that role. So I'd like to see him play that there, play that there, let's him get closer to Ronaldo, closer to Greenwood. Doesn't give him as much defensive responsibility. And then obviously Fred also gets to play slightly higher in this formation. So does Donny, because you obviously, then the pockets, we don't get exposed. So I'd like to see us go with that because we did have much more control in the game when, when it happened. And look, it'd be great to see Donny van de Beek get a start because, all I see in social media is why doesn't he start? Why doesn't he start? I don't know. Ask every manager who's been training them in these last two years. Every coach. Just ask them. Because I don't know. But um, we have a comment in here from Alias, And we may do this on the next podcast. But what's your best 11 since Ferguson? So you're talking about players post Alex Ferguson. What we'll do with that Alias since you brought that comment up on next week's Friday podcast we will we will all come up with our best 11s post of Alex Ferguson. Now we're maybe going to have to have one or two different two rules because there will be players who will probably overlap from the Ferguson era who were there. So what I'm going to do with that is the obviously the only exception you can make is David De Gea because he's the only one who stayed through all that out, out that era. Obviously, people the, the the hack is you can probably use Rooney and Van Persie. You go there, there under Moyes and Van Hal. So we're going to have to come up with a specific rule set for this. Um, all time 11 post Alex and um, we will we, we'll do that on next week's show. So that's a very good suggestion, very good question. But like, we've been on an hour and 35 minutes, so I don't think we can actually come up with that 11 right now. Um, in that regard, no. So he said, not post Alex you're saying since Ferguson, so since Ferguson's era, again, that there is a lot of moving parts. So, look, what we'll actually do next week then is we'll come up with two 11s next week. We'll come up with our best 11 post Sir Alex and our best 11 of Fergie's era and beyond. That's what we'll do. So we'll, we'll come up with them two Um, um, on next week's show. And obviously for the post and um, Sir Alex era, we'll go from 2013 to 2004 from that point onwards. And Alias then asks us to do from 1987 to 2021. Yes. Look, we'll, we'll do both next week. We'll do both next week on next week's show. And um, Obviously, Phil and Lee have been in amongst a lot of them players in that era. So it's going to be amputation. Uh, They'll have a very, very big advantage to me on that. But look, we'll see what we can get out of them 11s next week. But that wraps up our podcast this evening. Um, But before we go, obviously, we're going to get around the table and score predictions um, from the lads. So I'm going to come to you first, Lee. What is your score prediction um, for tomorrow's game? Oh shit! Give me up for one second. There you go. Well, I'm gonna go for a very optimistic two-one win. Lee's gonna go two-one win to Manchester United. Another bit of squeaky bum time for all Manchester United fans. With um, another one goal, one goal lead. Um, Phil, what's your score prediction for tomorrow evening's game?
3: Um, I've got I've got a bit of a bad feeling to be honest. About Don't say it tomorrow. I have a. I've never done it um I've never said we'll get beat um you know since we started the podcast cuz I've always been optimistic I'm not saying we're going to get beat today either, but I, I actually feel as though um it's going to be a, a tough afternoon um so I'm going to go for a draw I'm going to say 1-1 um but I think potentially with with the way Villa played the other day and obviously the new signings that they've got obviously Coutinho and people coming in in the, end of the year, um it, it could be a, a sort of difficult afternoon for us. But yeah, I'm gonna go for a draw, but I, I'm hoping the lads prove me wrong and we can get the win.
4: I, I'm I'm a bit uh skeptical about that. Wendy I think he could be dangerous tomorrow too if he's playing. He's looks like he, no honestly, landing.
3: when on Monday, obviously when you watch live, he, he looked
4: the real deal, I yeah. Think. You can see that on TV to be honest. You yeah. can see he yeah, some, had
3: something something way, a yeah.
4: bit special about him, you know what I mean? So, I'm the way point. he
3: receives the ball, and yeah, I
4: think he could skip past their midfield tomorrow if, if we're yeah. not
3: careful. Yeah, he's definitely the one got to sort of watch out for, I'd, yeah. I'd say, for, for sort of um, a defensive point of view. He, he's the one who can unlock the, the sort of uh, the door for them, yep. Yeah.
2: And you're talking about skipping past the field. This is exactly why I'm bringing the, the, that formation so we don't get we don't get caught in the overloads. It's exactly why I'm going with that. Hopefully, Ralph, if you're watching, th- this is a very good Manchester United podcast. And we like to embrace Manchester United fans. Ralph, go with that diamond tomorrow. We, we won't get caught in the overload and Ronaldo and Greenwood are banging the goals. But we've got a 2-1 from Nia, 1-1 from Phil. And it's going to come to a couple of comments just before I give my score prediction. Reese says, One all, but I hope we win. Alias says 2-1 United. And um, Patrick says 3 1 United. That's very optimistic. I'm loving the positivity. And Alias says again, 2-1 United until I the first 10 minutes. I can't. Um, and he says he proceeds to say then 2-1 for now until I watch how United start. I can't decide now. You can't trust them. That's absolutely right. You can't trust them at the moment. But I'm actually going to be more optimistic than everybody. I'm going to go United to keep a clean sheet. Uh, this is just absolutely bonkers for me. I'm going to go. United to keep a clean sheet and it goes two nil. Um, and again, do you know what? Just for the absolute banter, just for the absolute banter. Ronaldo's won a penalty past Emilio Martinez tomorrow. For all that celebrating he done in front of the staff for them and Bruno missed that penalty. To be really poetic justice, that Ronaldo scores one at Philip Park. Then Ronaldo goes up to all their fans and he does the seal. That's that. That's that. That's my that's my prediction um, for this week that that happens. I'll, I'll,
4: I'll go for a little mod. When I think if Donny starts, I'll go for Donny scores if he starts.
2: I'm not looking at Twitter if that happens. Because people have been questioning my tweets and I question why he isn't playing. I guarantee everybody will be coming at me saying, you're a Donny hater. Like I got I got personally attacked a couple of weeks ago. People said, I, I have a personal agenda against Donny. I'm like, no. If it was personal, like, I saw him a bad footballer. He's not a bad footballer. He's a brilliant technical footballer. I just said, I question why he isn't playing on the front I, I,
4: I actually want him to start even yeah. if he doesn't play well and, and so we can all get it out of our heads that he doesn't deserve to be in the starting 11 but until exactly. he actually starts to run no one games no
2: one knows if he is good enough and I think that's exactly. where the confusion is coming. Exactly and that's where look for, for me I'm just like you know Just let's play him let's see what he's like and then look we can see whether them coaches were vindicated or whether the fans are vindicated or is it just a case that Players are playing better in training, as we said. Maybe that's just the case. Could be a simple case of that you know. But look, let's see what happens um, in tomorrow's game. But guys, it's been a very good now and 41 minutes. on this podcast is absolutely zoomed by. My voice is actually nearly gone at this point, but so that's why I have the good Irish uh, water there. But um, thanks very much, everyone, for watching. It's been an absolute blast here today. Don't forget to smash a like in the video. Hit that subscribe button. It's been an a great podcast. And look, there's a lot more coming on the Talk of Devils um, YouTube channel coming soon. Also, don't forget to check out www.talkofdevils.co.uk. A lot of great articles on there, not just on latest Manchester United. But look, if you do like your history and, and like to read into archives, do check out the articles you have over there. Have a lot of great stuff over there. We have a lot of great writers here as well. So do check that out as well. And as always, do drop the lads to follow on their individual... And social medias as well. Phil has his there at marshy. Um, to, oh, mine mine's there at United underscore team 23. And I do believe these handles like Lee Lazzi is it Lee 84? Yeah,
4: yeah, that's it. Mate. Yeah. Can I just say one thing Keane, before we uh before we finish? And I've been meaning to say it all the way through the podcast. Um, I've noticed the interactions today, Luke, massive on chat. I mean, I can't get it up, up on my screen at the same time as beyond the, beyond the actual cast. But it looks like we've had a lot of interaction and a lot going on in the Greek chat, which I really appreciate to you guys. Thanks, thanks for the interaction and, uh, and joining in. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes the podcast when the fans and of the show um, get involved. So I appreciate that too. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think when the a lot of you guys in the comments, yeah, you have a lot of great insight. and It's great to see you guys not only engaging with us, but also engaging with yourselves and, and keeping the conversation going in, in the chat. It, it does obviously raise a lot of good points to us as well that we can do obviously we have our own set topics come into a show but then when you give us good comments like you do guys so you know, it gives us so much more and gives us more of a platform to talk about things so well, thanks very much for your contribution and do look keep supporting the channel because we do have a lot coming in these next couple of months more experts content do you know, more interviews you know, more podcasts like this there's a lot more coming in these next couple of months a couple of months so do check that out but Guys, thanks very much uh, for coming on this evening. Thanks to Phil, thanks to Lee, and then um, look, enjoy the rest of your evenings. And hopefully, please God, please give Manchester United three points tomorrow. Try, let's try to push on in, the new, in this new year and, and you'll get as much wins as possible and a bit more positivity. Because I don't think I can do any more any more negativity. I don't think I can, guys. Do I, 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 you know I, I'll start going grey in a minute? Do you know what I mean? It, it's going to happen. Look, until then, guys. Thanks so much, everyone, watching. Don't forget to smash the like the video and hit that subscribe button and hit the bell notification just below the lead there on your right hand side. But until then, guys, thanks very much, and we'll see you next Friday.
1: The talk sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However.